Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. First Friday in February and a pretty good weekend in store, right? Senior Bowl tomorrow. Everyone's still kind of hovering around the water cooler. Talking about last night's East-West Shrine Bowl game, right? That is always a classic. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed that last night. But uh, here we are. And um, if you're a college football fan... If you're an NFL fan, and I know there are many of you out there, this is it. You have this game tomorrow at 1, and then you have the Super Bowl in eight days. And that's it. Uh, End of the month, the combine, and then right when the players get here, also the legal tampering period in the National Football League. I do expect the Jaguars to be very busy, very active this year. Again, it's going to be just incredible to kind of monitor these moves on a day-to-day basis, uh, will they begin to restructure some contracts? Will they begin to re-sign some of their pending free agents? Josh Allen uh, speaking today out at the Pro Bowl activities. And, you know, I'd like to be a little bit more elaborate on them. Sorry, I, I just can't. I, I, I have no idea uh, what it's about. And, yeah, that's football for you, right? These midsummer classics – aren't what they once were. I grew up loving the All-Star game. They totally changed uh, around the National Hockey League uh, All-Star festivities where I used to really love the skill competition, see how fast they could skate, see how hard they, they, they could let, uh, let fly a slapper, right, a slap shot. Now they've kind of done it, um, kind of the new wave thing, right? We need to make it new and interesting and shorter and faster because people are bored. And they've done that. The NBA and, you know, the NHL and the NBA, they, they never played any defense. So you'd have a, you know, a, a 12-9 NHL game where no one's playing any T. You're not getting a lot of serious um, hitting and, and um, obviously no fights at an all-star game. At least you would think that that would be the case. Uh, but the Pro Bowl it has just gone away forever. It's still nice for them, especially, or especially if it is incentive-laden. Give you a little something to hang your hat on, financially speaking. But uh, as far as the events and all of that, really doesn't mean all that much. All right, we're busy here. We got a lot to do right here on our Friday getaway edition. Fired up for the weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good one. All right, a lot of college basketball ongoing this weekend. Obviously, conference schedule in the thick of it. A lot of people believe that golf officially got underway yesterday at the AT&T Pebble Beach Open uh, with the Pro, or I, I really should say with the Pro-Am. It's a real good leaderboard right now. We'll go through that coming up a little bit later on in the program. But I, I do want to begin right here that, uh, you know, I, I thought that maybe this would 
possibly come in as a Friday news dump, but it wasn't. Instead, it's an anonymous source, and it came in this afternoon, and when I saw it, I just started shaking my head. And there's so much I want to say. There were so many things that were traveling through my head when I read the headline that said, the Jaguars are asking FanDuel to return the stolen $20 million, according to a source. And my first thought was, what do you mean it's stolen? The man involved, Amit Patel, gambled it away. He went to FanDuel, and he did everything from um, fantasy daily to betting enormous amounts of money on on games. And, you know, my, my first thought was, what about all the degenerate gamblers right here in Jacksonville? What about all the degenerate gamblers across the country? I mean, what do uh, aggressive gamblers all have in common? Well, number one, they're losers, right? I mean, just ask yourself this right now. I don't care where you are listening. Ask yourself right now, your friends, your family, or your place of employment. How many people do you know that are really successful when it comes to gambling? You know what else gamblers are outside of being losers? They're liars, okay? A gambler always lies. He's going to lie to his wife. He's going to lie to his uh, lie to his employee. He's going to say, no, I didn't bet on this. I didn't bet on that. You know what you always hear? About? And this happens whether you play weekend golf or you're betting on a game. You always hear about the winnings, right? You know, oh, I made a putt. I got a birdie. You know, I picked up this. I did that. You never hear about the losings. So I've been around this my entire life. People don't win when they gamble. Very few do. Maybe the Philly Rooster, maybe the Philly Godfather, maybe Rafael Esparza, maybe the Boston Capper. All right, I bring handicappers on. Um, Many of you are like, what were their picks again? I'm going against them. I I think that that's probably the best way to bet. Oh, by the way, go find the loser. Just seriously, go find one. Find out what he is betting on or she is betting on and go the other way. You really want to make some money? Hold the book. I saw it in college. I've seen it all over the place. People who hold books make money. Why? Because people lose when they gamble. So, you know, my first thought was, this is such a classic Jacksonville Jaguar move. I always discuss how whenever Jacksonville gets mentioned nationally, Man, it's it's such a negative story, right? There's always a punchline or there's always a situation where you're kind of like, what is really going on over there? And a lot of times I hate it. I find myself defending it. I'll never openly defend if um, or I will only openly defend the team, the coach, the general manager if I honestly do believe that is the case, right? I think there's criticism at times with lazy members of the national media who aren't informed, and they'll take some shots. They'll say some things. I I do have a problem with that. But I am critical 
to what this football team does on the field. I, I get angry when you pick on the fans. And we went through that poll that came out, what, six weeks or so ago where they called you, the folks in Duval, the weakest NFL fans out of all 32 fan bases, right? They just climbed all over you. What was it again? Um, JJ, do you remember it? It was, was it betonline.com and GT, uh, GPT? I'm not so, sure. Yeah, whatever. It was a couple of, couple of big companies, and they, and they had a survey all across, uh, all across the United States. And again, as you would expect, Jacksonville. I don't know if you'd expect it, but it's just one of those deals you're like, you got to be kidding me. You know, it's always Jacksonville. It's always negative. It's always Jacksonville. So you have that on the fans, right? And then all of a sudden you have the Breer report out that Bulky can't get along with Peterson and Peterson's not getting along with Bulky. And you have Prisco come on these airwaves and say, Bulky may not retire. Bulky needs to go. You know, what's really going on in that building? And then you have issues and you have rumors that Trevor Lawrence is not seeing eye to eye with Press Taylor. And is that really the case? And Shad Khan forced out uh, the defensive coordinator and some coaches. Did he want out the offensive coordinator and some coaches? And we can't get anything. We can't get any literature. We can't get any explanation. We can't get a soundbite outside of the fact that he's fired up that they're playing again in London, which you don't want to hear. So it's just one thing after another. And you deal with it. You attack certain parts of it. You defend other parts of it. And then I'm getting ready here at Senior Bowl week. We're 83 days away from the draft. This is a good team. It's a good, no, it's a good nucleus. But you've put your trust in a man that no one does trust in Trent Baalke. And now you get this story that just reeks Jaguars. Asking back 20 million of course it's the jaguars it's perfect so you know there's such a part of this that to me it's it's humorous and i'm like good for them who cares what i I mean good for them ask back for your money i mean this is great the other part of me is like really you got to rehash this total embarrassment how did you let a guy in mid-level uh management walk away with 22 million bucks How does that happen? He was a mid-level finance manager. The guy was rolling through town like John Gotti. He had personal Learjets, okay? He's dropped 5, 10K at spas. He was going on big baller trips to the Hamptons and to Miami. He went out and bought himself a $10,000 watch. He became a member of all these exclusive country clubs. That's been my dream. I've been here since 1996. One day I'm going to become a member at one of these guys. This guy's mid-level management. No one noticed. No one figured it out. You got burnt. Okay, it's a felony. He stole. He gambled and he lost. You got sizzled. How can you really go to the company and ask for your money back? Oh boy. Oh boy, 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 boy. Man, that's gonna be a lot of fun to uh to monitor this. And 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 you know what? You gotta believe that there's some truth here because there's been no response. From the Jaguars. If this was a false story, again, it came from an anonymous source. 
I believe there would have been an immediate retraction. Remember what? Four years ago when what's her name? Uh, Diana Rossini. Di- Diana Rossini came out and told us all, right? Told us all that Doug Marone was out. Doug Marone was fired, and boy, Diana Rossini, she she went on the air the next day and laughed, and then got like a raise and a promotion, and now she's over at the Athletics. So I guess getting it wrong instead of owning it, just laughing about it, is the best way to go if you want to, um, you know, move forward with your career. But, you know, Jim Woodcock, the publicist, immediately comes out and says, Doug Marone's not going anywhere. That report is false. That report is inaccurate. Someone over there, if this is an inaccurate report, would respond to this because you're talking about a franchise that Shad Khan bought for what? $780 million or whatever. It's worth now $2.2 billion. And yeah, $20 million to you is huge. To me, it's incredible. To them, yeah, it's a slice of the pie. We're still talking about $20 million. But here's the Jaguars that you love. And again, they become the butt of jokes. What do you think they're talking about tonight in Seattle and Portland? What do you think they're talking about tonight out in Austin, Texas and, and Lincoln, Nebraska? And what do you think they're talking about in Indianapolis, Houston and Nashville when the Jaguars come up? You think they're sitting there saying, hey, man, they really need to fortify that defensive rushing uh, you know, that rushing defense, man, they need to get a little bit stronger. They're as soft as puppy poo in the interior offensive line. No, you know what they're saying? Isn't this classic Jacksonville? Out of all the teams, isn't this just perfect? Classic Jaguars football. There you go. $20 million. Amit Patel. Mid-level management. The guy siphoned 22. How do you not see that? How do you not know that? You're mid-level management. Don't you report to others? I mean, he's mid-level. Who, who looks at his expense reports? Who looks at what this man... I, oh, man. You know, I'm... I'm Again, I'm I'm kind of a part of me here is like this is great. I love the fact that Jacksonville's a number one story. They're a number one story on ESPN right now. When is the last time Jacksonville has ever had the number one story where you just don't look at it and say, "Really?" I mean, again, how about a positive story? Maybe outside of Tony Baselli going to the Hall of Fame. I don't even know if that was the top story. It's just always the Jaguars. The team you love, the team you flex your muscles for, the team that I flap my gums for, they just keep providing entertainment and information. And unfortunately, so much of it is dysfunctional. It's really, really bad. And I hate it. There's so many good people over there in the Miller Electric Center. There are. There are wonderful people, and I've seen them come and go since I was here in 96. Some really good men and some really good ladies over there, outstanding, who work hard. And I'm sure this bothers them a little bit, or maybe they're just kind of like, you know what, it is what it is, but it happened to Jacksonville. 
you want to comment on that, you can. We're going to get to some serious stuff for the remainder of the program. That includes the very latest from the Senior Bowl, which will be tomorrow. Eric Oldman, uh, Eric o- Ed Holm, excuse me, Eric Ed Holm does an outstanding job covering the NFL draft uh, from NFL.com. I don't agree with his latest mock. Uh, Layatu Latu, right? Is that how you pronounce the man? The, that was uh, perfect. The Edge from UCLA. Layatu Latu. Saxonville. Layatu Latu. Right? What did I say last year? It was, yes, sir, Abdullah. The guy was on the bench the entire freaking year. Okay? I forgot about your nickname. I mean, I, I coined it. I spent all this money buying usernames and passwords. Yes, sir, Abdul. He's a scratch. Yes, sir, Abdul. He's not making the trip. He's the only thing you did to enhance your pass rush. Yes, sir, Abdul. So now it becomes Leatu Latu. I I disagree. Fix your offensive line. Your offensive line couldn't block me. Okay, after 18 Miller lights and four shots of, uh, of Tullamore do, I could find a way through that offensive line. But that's what the experts say. So we'll get to uh, Eric Edholm on that coming up in just a couple of minutes. Oh, my goodness. Shmunez vision. Thank God for that. All right. Let me come right out and state it. For the first time here tonight, I'm going to be totally honest with you. If you sleep in your contacts, you're an idiot, okay? I don't care if you have three-day wear or all-week wear or permanent contacts. No, it's not sanitary. It's not good for you. It's like sleeping in your skivvies and then wearing them the next day and then wearing them the next day. I'm talking about sanitary. I'm talking about being clean. I'm talking about hygiene, all right? It's your eyes, ladies and gentlemen, why do we neglect them the way that we do? Shmunez vision, so much you can do. So many different areas you can go. So many different things that you can take a look at with your eyes. Sure, you can get the latest prescription on glasses and contacts. But what about real serious issues like medical and surgical? All right. I had surgery eight and a half years ago at Shmunez vision. Several other things. Dr. Catherine Shmunez, cataract surgery. That's an issue. That may petrify you. And I get it. They may have a remedy. You may not need surgery, but you're better off getting it checked sooner than later. Talking about more than 30 years of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery. Check them out. Go to Schmunez Vision. Just go to Schmunez Vision Care. You can see. We've got a ton to do. It is a Friday in Duval. There's no place I'd rather be. I could go for $22 million in my pocket, but I'll be honest. There's no place I'd rather be than right here in the beautiful city of Jacksonville. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. That's great to have you with us. Just underway, 626 right here on this Friday night in Duval. Eric Edholm. Um, tell you what, it's done a lot of good work. The sporting News, back when I worked at the Sporting News, Sporting News Radio, Pro Football Weekly, Yahoo. He is now with NFL.com. Does an outstanding job with the draft, and he has been in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. He is the lead draft writer at NFL.com. Eric, thanks for a few moments. How you been? 
I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm actually staying through the game, which I did last year for the first time in many years. But uh, looking forward to it. But uh, after that, get to see my kids finally. There you go. I want to get straight <laughs> to the offensive line because I yeah. think that is the biggest position of need for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I saw your latest mock draft. Uh, Layatu Latu is who you have, an edge out of UCLA. I guess first things first, uh, before we get to the offensive line, tell us why that pick at number 17, Eric. Truthfully, you want the, the bare bones truth? I do. I, Nothing I but the truth on this show. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, here, here's how I think of early February, you know, Punxsutawney Phil time of year uh, mock drafts. I mean, like taking your clubs out of the out of the garage, go to the range, and you know if you hit a few long straight ones, great. You shank a few, eh? It's your first time out, right? I mean, right. so I like to try to place players in roughly the 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 range that they that I think they'll go. You know, plus or minus X number of picks, and I like to try to pick pick players who could be potential fits for those teams. Obviously, I'm not just gonna you know jam square pegs in around holes, but yeah, that was a, probably one of my bigger stretches as far as need specific fit given Trent Balky's sort of uh, you know infatuation with length and, and arm side, arm length and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, offensive tackle, absolutely. I mean, I could I could see it. You know, I guess you could argue, hey, that maybe they don't do that a couple years in a row, but I. I, I hear you, man. I would absolutely uh, endorse that. All right. Now, I know you're in Chicago. I spent seven, year, seven years yep. there. The, the clubs go away for quite some time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Down there, that ah, doesn't mean as much no, as it would do a Chicago. And, I right. mean, we yeah. complain here when it gets under <laughs> 70 degrees, for crying out loud, <laughs> right. in, uh, in Duval. Uh, before we get the tackles, uh, the, and I know you, uh, you mentioned him earlier in the week, and you said that uh, Mike Tomlin had a conversation with him, but I heard some really good things about Oregon center and guard Jackson Powers Johnson before he went out with an undisclosed injury. What did you yeah. see in him? Yeah, it was a hamstring, and he came in with a hamstring, too. He had a grade two strain, and, you know, the word was that, you know, people at his camp were saying, don't go, man. Your, your stock's already soaring as it is. And he said, no, I want to play. He got in, you know, almost two day, full days worth of practice, and I think did nothing but help himself. The hamstring isn't a long-term issue. He'll be fine with that. You know, it, it should be fine by, by combine and all that. So, Really interesting kid. I mean, hasn't played a ton of football, and it's only started for one year uh, uh, at center. So I could see him at guard. I could see him at center. Depends on the offense. Depends on the the coordinator. What kind of system you're running? You know, maybe you play him at guard first and move him to center. Whatever it may be. But I think he's looking like a day one starter, um, even for such a young guy. I think he's. I want to say he turns 21 in June or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, really appealing from an age standpoint, extremely big, but not the kind of hulking guard center that that can't move around. I mean, he was getting after guys really, you know, great flexibility for somebody that big, too, which, you know, really impressed me and and just tenacious. I mean, he was he was starting stuff with some guys, you know, nothing dirty, just like, hey, I'm here to, to work. So I was impressed. Eric, it's so lacking here. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, you know, I covered the before I went to Chicago. I covered his franchise in the mid '90s when they came into existence, yeah. and they was. I mean, it was a great group with Baselli and Cersei and Wydell and Coleman and and what have you. But they had nasty in them, and and this offensive line doesn't have it. And 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 this is what I'm concerned about. I mean, 
the ego, Trent Baalke used a third-round pick on Luke Fortner. He's getting blown mm-hmm. away. He can't pass block. He can't run block. Bringing in an anchor at center and a guy with some nasty like Jackson Powers Johnson is exactly what the Jaguars need. Yeah, right. I could see it, right? And, and he's, you know, maybe the kind of player that makes the guys on either side of you a little better. I mean, you know, he first of all, takes up a lot of space and, and – you know, you want to run behind a guy like that, and, and you want to be able to – and you can still, I think, pull him out in space. I mean, Oregon obviously did a lot of games up front. I mean, you think about those types of offenses, usually you're looking for the, uh, you know, the more svelte offensive line. Look at Washington's offensive line, you know, compared to Alabama, let's mm-hmm. say, right? You know, I'm thinking Kayla DeBoer is going to be in for a shock when he gets there. But, but yeah, I mean, like the same idea of he was able to do the smaller guy stuff at 330 plus pounds so he's very appealing from uh you know from that standpoint all right give us a few others you mentioned bama cedric van uh cedric van pran is one uh christian haynes out of out of uh university of connecticut and, and not necessarily at 17 but you know depending on the calvin wrigley deal either second or third round did 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 any of them catch your eye yeah uh you know i would say the, the center class is interesting we didn't get zach frazier down here he was supposed to be here you know, would have liked to see, uh, you know, a, a full week out of him. Some of the guards, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Haynes was probably the most interesting one that, you know, I mean, UConn obviously has been through its share of struggles and such, but and he's a little bit on the short side, but, boy, I mean, he was efficient. He was getting after it, the, you know, just had a lot of wins in one-on-one, looked good in the team stuff, too. You know, Christian Haynes very quietly, I think, helped his cause this week, and, um, you know, another guy who didn't make it down here, Cooper Beebe's really well regarded. I got to see a lot of him this year and, you know, scouts were very high on him, uh, coming into the season, you know, is there a chance he could sneak into round one, possibly, you know, mm-hmm. early round two, mid round two, somewhere in that range. So top 50 or 60 pick, I think would be, you know, almost like this year's Steve Avila, maybe in some ways. Okay. Uh, Van Pran, you mentioned Christian Mahogany from BC. There's there's a pretty good crop of guards this year. It's maybe a little better than what we've seen in, in recent years. Final couple of minutes with uh, Eric Edholm covering the NFL draft for NFL.com. He is live in uh, Mobile, Alabama, the Senior Bowl coming up here our time tomorrow at uh, 1 o'clock in Jacksonville. Tyler Guyton, the, uh, the very impressive tackle. Can we even have a conversation about him, Eric, or is he gone before 17? Yeah, it's funny. I, I put him 18 in the mock and, and even threw in a line saying, I, I don't know if he'll be here, right? I mean, I think what, what helps is that, you know, Fuaga and J.C. Latham and, and some other tackles could go ahead of him. You know, they maybe have a little bit more experience. I mean, I don't really know what to do with Amarius Mims yet from Georgia. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy who – you know, like Tyler Smith a few years ago, you know, could go late round one. Uh, maybe it's round two. It's hard to say at this point. We're still kind of sorting through the, the lot a little bit, but Guyton was really impressive. The only guy who had any success against him was Darius Robinson from Missouri, who was probably the the best or second best defensive player that I saw this week. You mm-hmm. know, Quin- Quinion Mitchell, another guy, was probably the other one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that's, that's a pretty good work uh, work week for him so yeah. far. And I think he's, you know, especially for a guy who hasn't played a ton, you know, in college football, you want to show that down here. Okay. You give us the two best defensive players. Who was your best offensive player? Good question. Um, you know, early on, I thought Lad McConkey and, and uh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Roman Wilson from Michigan, you know, both kind of the, uh, you know, sort of in that Amon Ross state Brown slot receiver, just yeah. finds ways to get open and just kills you, you know, a thousand paper cuts kind of guy. And, um, you know, both are really good. I would say Guyton has to be in the running for Waga would probably be what he had, he had a couple reps in pass pro, you know, that could have been a little tighter, but man, I mean, he's an impressive guy. Mm-hmm. And I would say those two really helped themselves and may have been the best. And, you know, I wouldn't nominate a quarterback, but this year's crop wasn't terrible. It was just maybe just lacking a little bit. Um, and I don't know that there was, can't think of another receiver who just blew me away. So those are probably the the best candidates right there. All right, well, leave us with this. Final question. I'm going to go back to receiver. Uh, You mentioned a couple, and, you know, I think they'll restructure Christian Kirk, and you have Parker Washington. So they they have those slot guys. But if they lose Calvin Ridley, I think think Trevor Lawrence needs a big-body wide receiver. I think he needs Mm -hmm. a six-foot-three, six-foot-four wide receiver. There's not one of those here who gets valuable reps that – did you see anyone with a big body there uh, in Mobile? Yeah, well, well, Johnny Wilson, obviously not too far down the road, is, is interesting. I don't know. You have to have kind of a specific role for him, and it may end up being a little bit more like a tight end, H-back kind of role. And, you know, when he was matched up with smaller corners, he mostly dominated. But there were times when he looked a little bit soft against, you know, some of the longer guys like D.J. James. So he's he's fascinating. I don't know that, that – he quite fills that that void. So it's hard to say if there was anybody down here that really fit the kind of big, you know, take the top off kind of guy, right. jump ball 50-50. Devontae Walker was up and down. Mm. He really interested me, though. I think he could be good in time. Um, Xavier Leggett, another sort of big frame guy. Another up and down week, but again, enough highs to not hurt his cause at all. So there, there are some guys who fit that mold, but but the underclassmen I think are going to kind of help yeah. round out that that group of players like that. I'm a Florida State grad, and I couldn't figure out all year what I thought Wilson would run. Right. You have any idea what you think he'll he'll run? Maybe, yeah, that's a good question. Somewhere in the four or five. Well, wow. Okay. That's a, uh, like that's a little bit faster, a little faster than maybe I thought and, and good maybe. for him. Yeah. Well, Hey, look, I mean, these, the, I, I always shave off a little cause I assume that the combine training for these guys is so good these days, but yeah, four, six, maybe would be the, the, the regular play speed that I watched. Hey, Eric, great stuff. Love your updates and uh, really appreciate the time. Hopefully we'll do it again here uh, up around the combine. Thank you, sir. You got it, man. Looking forward to it. There he goes. Good stuff there. Enjoyed it. Eric Edholm covers the NFL draft for NFL.com. And uh, the big body wide receiver. How about that? Lad McConkie is getting, like, just all this love. And if you're like me and you're a draft, Nick, you frankly can't get enough information. And I do think there's a little bit of – how do I want to say this? Um, and I don't know if it's fair or not, but when I was really into recruiting, you know, if you, when I got into this business long before the internet, and I, I'm going to go out on a, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I, I think the internet's going to stick around for a little bit. I do. I think it's going to stay here. The internet is totally taking over recruiting, and it's done it now for well over a decade. But back in the day, it was sports radio. 
And it was the 1-900 numbers that, frankly, were big money makers. But, you know, you'd have the Bill Buckers, the Tom, uh, Bill Buckhalters, the Tom Lemmings, the um, Max M. Fingers, um, just on and on and on. You'd have all these uh, guests uh, who would join you, and they would give you this information. And I'm like, there's such a large pool of kids. I thought it became a little bit of a copycat where this guy's saying this, this guy's saying that. And I thought that so much in college football recruiting was spurred on by the reputation that you had with a high school head coach. That if a high school head coach looks at you and says, this is the deal, this is the best quarterback I've seen in 10 years or whatever, I mean, that's gold. You can't do that once you get to this level, okay? Because everyone has eyes on these prospects, especially today. Every game's on TV, but when you put them all together, it becomes a factory like the Senior Bowl, like the East-West Shrine Bowl that we saw last night, and like the Combine. I, I do wonder, is there a little bit of, what did he say? What did he say? Okay, let me find a way to not necessarily plagiarize, but put stuff in there that you saw elsewhere. Uh, you understand where I'm going with this? I'm not accusatory, but I'm just... I'm wondering how different um, – I saw someone – I think it was Damian Parson we had on yesterday just said that uh, – uh, how come I can't think of his name? Starting quarterback in Notre Dame, transferred from Wake Forest uh, this past year. Sam oh, Hartman. yeah. Sam Hartman. Said he was garbage. Said he was <sighs> awful. Okay? And then I, you know, I've read other reports that say, no, they think he's a late-day starter, you know, or a late-day draft pick that could someday – you know, turn into a starter. And, 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 you know, we're seeing more of that now because of Brock Purdy, where all of a sudden it was he can't play in the league. He can't play in the league. Well, maybe this guy in the right situation or what have you, uh, the light could go on for him. Anyway, I just – I don't think it's a perfect science. I also think you can really sniff out um, the individuals who, who put in the work and put in the time and talk uh, compared to, to others who – maybe don't do it as much as they once did. Uh, I, I think tonight and last night we had two really, really strong guests on the uh, the NFL draft, and we'll continue with that. Uh, Damian Parson last night uh, from the uh, NFL, or excuse me, the Draft Network, and then, of course, tonight, Eric Edholm, NFL.com. You watched a bunch of Florida State stuff. What do you think? I, why, why am I thinking Johnny Wilson, you know, he four, didn't play a lot, first of all, four, this year. Six, five, four, seven is what I'm thinking. Do you think he can run in a 4-5 or a low 4-6, like Eric said? Um, I think low 4-6 is more realistic, but I, he said he's going to have to play some tight end in the league, maybe. That would be, 4-5 to me would be a stretch. If he does hit that, I mean, this guy's about to make a bunch of cash. I want to see him do well. I want to see all these kids do well. Yeah, there was a little bit. Um, during the 63 to three where I was peeved and, and, and I was like, you know, this guy's not even going to get drafted, not Johnny Wilson, but it's just certain guys. And, you know, if so, he's going to be a late sixth or seventh round, you know, compensatory pick. And, but then, you know, time kind of played its way through and I'm like, you know, these kids, um, they worked hard. They earned it. They had an undefeated season. I want to go back and rehash that story, but I, I find myself pulling for him all. I'd like to see him do well. I think there are huge question marks with Johnny Wilson. 
okay? I don't know how good of a route runner he is. It was a very limited route tree at Florida State. He did show toughness at times by going over the middle. He had very spotty hands. And there were times where, even with his size, he got dinged up. Okay, I'm not going to knock a guy for having a concussion. I mean, that's absurd. But there were times where he took himself off the field, lower body, upper body. Uh, I, I and, and I really feel that way about Keon Coleman. Probably the biggest issue I have with Keon Coleman is whether or not he can legitimately take a hit. Um, but with Johnny Wilson, I, I do think he was an adequate blocker. I don't think anyone looks at Johnny Wilson and say he's going to be a great downfield blocker. There were a couple of examples on some Trey Benson runs this year where he showed out when it came to blocking, but, I, you know, unless you're there and you're watching, TV doesn't always give you wide receivers blocking, right? You need the all 22 in order to see that or coaches tape to see that. So once these capsules begin to, to come out, you know, in more thorough capsules from after this week. And then, you know, once they get in and do all that testing, uh, they're in Indianapolis at the end of the month. All right, you want to comment on that? By all means, bring it. 641-1010 on our text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, I do want to thank the good folks over at Patriot Roofing Services, specializing in all types of commercial, residential roofing and repairs, Gutters, sun tubes, skylights as well. 10-year workmanship warranty. Financing is available. Military and senior citizen discounts. Give my buddy Mark Tizzolo a call. 982-4052. And it's all with Mark. No subcontractors. Licensed and insured. 982-4052. Call Mark Tizzolo. Or better yet, check him out online. Patriot Roofing. Whether you need a brand new roof or roof repairs. Whether it's your home or business. All right, let's continue on. we got plenty more to do right here on a Friday night. 641-1010, best way to get us. That is our text line. And again, it's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yeah, let's toast the great Warren Zevon, the late Warren Zevon. Man who was never afraid to tell his truth. I mean, the truth can be broken up in a lot of different ways, but as long as you're telling your truth, isn't that good enough? I got a serious one that just came in here from the 5916. It says, What's up, Baloo? Longtime listener. Need some expert advice tonight. Well, you've come to the right place. Would you consider eight Miller Lights too many at this point? I feel like I'm starting my Friday night off pretty strong. Just need some advice. Sounds to me like you've settled that. Sounds to me like you're a guy that when you were handed the ball, the skipper said, can you just give us five tonight? But your pitch count is down. You're settling in. I think you're looking at maybe seven, maybe going into the eighth. Here's my advice. Keep after it. Maybe mix in a tiny bit of Irish whiskey. Okay? And have yourself a hell of a time. Just don't drive. Drink. 
drink to your puke. Just do not drive. We've got serious news part two coming in. Matt Zenitz from 24-7 Sports telling us that the Jaguars are expected to hire Auburn's Jeremy Garrett as the defensive line coach. Yeah, he's highly regarded. He's been at Mississippi uh, as a player, and he has moved his way up through the circles as a coach, including as an assistant with the Cleveland Browns. So this is a big hire. Remember, Ryan Nielsen really cut his teeth as a defensive line coach. And Jacksonville kept three coaches defensively on the staff, including Bill Shuey, who is going to uh, take over. As a matter of fact, let's get to that Josh Allen thing here in just one second, if we can. Bill Shuey is going to be around uh, to work with Josh Allen because he's coming back, right? I mean, Trent Baalke told us. He's coming back. And, and, and of course, you have, uh, you have Trayvon Walker. Other coaches, uh, Corey Robinson coming in as a cornerback coach. Chris Richard has been announced, although he has not been given a title, you know, what position he'll coach. Uh, Matt House is an inside linebacker coach. Again, Bill Shuey will be the outside linebacker coach. He, uh, he has been retained. Uh, Matt House came over from LSU, spent two years as a defensive coordinator, also was the linebackers coach at Kansas City, years 2019, 20, and 21. I reported a week and a half ago that Dave Huxtable is coming uh, to Jacksonville as well. He was the senior defensive assistant with the Atlanta Falcons under Ryan Nielsen last year. I haven't seen anything more on this. Uh, Here's what I'll tell you. I'll own it. And maybe if I'm wrong, does that mean I'm going to get a raise and a promotion like our good friend did? uh, Diana. Diana Russini. When she was wrong on Or maybe a- the one who made up her sideline reports. She's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny as well. Yeah, I'll stand by the report. I, I heard from it from what I thought was just uh, an impeccable source. But it- there hasn't been any official announcement at all from the Jaguars on any of these outside of uh, Richard and – actually, I don't even know if the Jaguars sent out a release. It had been reported by members of the media. So I, I imagine what they're going to do is send everything all out at once. That would be my guess. Uh, before we get to the top of the hour, the Pro Bowl weekend is underway. Um, and the festivities are underway. Josh Allen was asked about the business and the contract and getting everything put together after the comments that Trent Bulky made a week ago Thursday. Here's what the Pro Bowl defensive end had to say. For me, my career, man, I, I don't want to be a you know, guy from team to team. Like, I always wanted to be stationary, you know, but, you know, throughout the years of playing, you know, you have to, you have to grow as well. And, and what I've grown to understand that the NFL is seeing it firsthand, the NFL is a business at the end of the day. So, you know, I do what you do on the field because I love it and I play and I respect it and I love my guys. I love the competitive nature. But at the end of the day, outside of that, it's business. If you handle it or think about it any type of way, you will get tossed out of it. So for me, it's, let's talk business. It's the business side, and he's earned it. He's earned the money. Matter of fact, let's come back and begin next hour by getting to pro football focus. I, I, I thought they did a, a really interesting job on describing what 
they believe the projections are for Jacksonville's premier free agents. And the free agents that they talk about are obviously Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, and this one may surprise you. The third highest ranked free agent, according to Pro Football Focus, is Ezra Cleveland. Okay, so let's come back here on the other side and uh, get into that. Also give you an opportunity um, to get on in at 641-1010. Want to spend a couple of minutes as well next hour on the loss today of Carl Weathers, uh, Apollo Creed. I mean, so wonderfully cast. If you, if you just think about how that whole movie went, when he, he points to the Italian stallion and, you know, let's give this guy a shot, but he... He's got that Muhammad Ali in him where just insane trash talk. And, of course, the fight is so – it's just so historic. It's such a classic. And he did a lot of other really good things that people not be aware of. And he showed how funny he could be in in, um, Happy Gilmore, right, when he lost an arm uh, to an alligator. But I was talking a little bit earlier about uh, Carl Weathers when he played the role of Sundog Brown. In, uh, in Death Hunt, uh, he was a young cop, or as I called him, a young constable. And I don't know why Frangie, Caroline, and, uh, and Brooks were in stitches laughing about that particular word. But he was with Lee Marvin, right? And he got gunned down in it. So, yeah, Bronson. Bronson was, like, out behind a shed. He was, like, putting up, like, shutters or something. And Charles just took it upon himself, as he always did, that uh, I will be the vigilante here. If you guys can't handle things as far as our safety and our security, then I'll handle it. And that's what Charles Bronson would do in virtually every movie. But Carl Weathers, what a, uh, you know, not necessarily a lead, but a, a great character, actor. And he did pass today at the age of 76. He played at San Diego State, went over to the Oakland Raiders, played a little bit of Canadian football as well. It was in a ton of films. What, Predator? He was in... Um, I think he was in action. Jackson, he, he did quite a few things. And, and, and as great as Rocky One is, and I'll say this, that I, I'll have to look back on the dates, but like the first two movies that I can remember that my dad took me to, one was the original Bad News Bears with Buttermaker and Lupus and, and uh, Kelly Leak. Oh, and so cool. Oh, uh, the first one. Okay, mid, it had to be mid-70s. And also, I remember Rocky. My dad actually took me to see Rocky, and I, I, I'm guessing that that was, what, 76 maybe? 75, 76? 76 for Rocky. How about Bad News Bears? It had to have Set been. both of them. 76. Okay, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that those are like the first two movies. You know, I went to some uh, cartoon movies or whatever, you know, Sesame Streets or whatever, Disney, but I think my first time ever going to a a PG, and back then it wasn't even PG-13. It was like... PG it was, or R, right? Yeah, it was R. Or PG, PG that was it, I think. It was um, it was regular, and then it was PG-R, and then, well, I was always a big fan of those that were XXX. <laughs> Do you ever go to a movie theater and see any of those in, in your day? You're a little That's bit too young for that. Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot easier ways to get a hold of that. Yeah, but... Um, but it, Anyway, that was one of the first ones I ever saw. But out of everything in the Rocky, and I got away from it late. You know, I, I, I kind of. Rocky w- Four was dope, though. Okay. I mean, him and Drago. 
kind of got away from it. Just uh, got to be honest. It was a little corny, but oh my God, such a fun film. Out Love of all movie. the things that they did, I thought the scene in the hospital, and, I, and, and, and this has to be in Rocky too. When they're being carted into the hospital, and it looks like they're going to fight again, but that's when Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers, who's died, who, who died today, that is some of the best lip and some of the best. I mean, I don't think that gets enough attention for just how heated that was because here's another thing. Part twos are terrible, all right? I thought Rocky Two was really, really good. I obviously thought Godfather Two was really good. But, I mean, how many other twos? Empire Strikes Back. All right. I was never a huge Star Wars guy. My younger brother was. I'll give you that. Empire Strikes Back was um, was pretty good. I, You know, Stallone as well and Rambo, not as good as First Blood, in my opinion. But I thought Rambo was okay. I was trying to think of anything else that was – Jaws 2 wasn't awful, but it was nothing compared to Jaws. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can help us out there as a uh, as a listener to the program at six four one ten ten. Give us some uh, some decent deuces, if you will. Number two movies. All right, we got much more to do. We do tonight till eight o'clock. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. stuff rolling in here. I'm not quite ready to out it. Tracking some stuff. I mean, some may think this is a Friday night in which you uh, you mail it in. Uh, sometimes I think this stuff gets thrown just to kind of test me. Uh, here's a guy telling me I'm too scared to Um, the 9284, this radio station doesn't point to the truth. You guys are too busy. Uh, it gets a little graphic here in nature. His ownership is complete tomfoolery. You guys are too scared to say it out loud. I know the real fans have texted this, but no one wants to say this man is, uh, yeah. I mean, do you, do you ever listen to the show or do you just fire off comments? Seriously. I mean, I, I almost never get told this. I can kind of, and, and it's why, honestly, it's why I'm raising it. Because it's always the other way. Maybe you need to calm down a little bit. Maybe you need to pipe down a little bit, right? But that's why I almost think it's planted. I almost think it's like, well, let's see if we can get a rise out of them. And um, I know it doesn't matter what I ever say. It matters what you hear. That's kind of the, the way things are in the, uh, in the world of radio. But if you think I'm scared of anything, you are absolutely nuts. Okay? I mean, crazy. Beyond crazy. Did you not listen to the first 20 minutes of my show tonight, for crying out loud? 
I understand that I mean, people like you, the 9284, I understand that you're probably a miserable human being. That's my guess. Misery loves company. All right. That'd be my guess on this one. Try to slide in some words and stuff, trying to get me to uh, say something. Not going to work. Uh, look at all this we're getting in now. Mad Max 2, Larry David assaulted Elmo on the Today Show. I don't know what that's all about. Dark Knight Rises, mm. uh, Sharknado 2, Terminator 2. A lot of Terminator 2. Sharknado 2. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers Part 2, better than the original? I don't, am I missing a joke there? That one went way over my head. I I don't know what that is. Uh, the Omen was uh, the Omen two was incredible. The hawk. Oh my god, the hockey scene is that when the kid goes underneath the ice? Oh yeah, starts floating downstream. Is that what that's from? <laughs> See, a lot of people are doing that now. It's viral. They're like jumping into like like ice cold rivers or ponds, and they're like tied. They have like a string that they're no tied to. No way. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. That's my like. That's the number one thing I'm scared of of dying is falling through ice and you can like see freedom, but you can't get to it. And you're just like your hands and you're clawing and God, that sounds terrifying. I mean, there was that dumbass kid who like a year ago was on some cruise ship and thought it would be funny to like jump off with all his friends filming him, And they like, they threw him a little life preserver. He was gone. Like, be careful with the water, guys. Mother Nature will scoop your ass up, man. Guy says Godfather 2. Yeah, we mentioned that. Godfather 2, Rocky 2. No doubt they were very good. Uh, this guy says Jim Henson's Teenage New, uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Next Friday. I don't know that. Friday, next Friday? Yeah. It doesn't touch the first one, though. Revenge of the Nerds, too. I don't even know <laughs> if I saw it. Don't even know if I saw that one. Revenge of the Nerds 1 is great. The burping contest with Ogre and the guy from Risky Business. Yeah, I've seen it. Ogre? Within the last 10 years, it doesn't hold up, unfortunately. It was just one of those 80 movies that's just very... It was funny then. Pro Football Focus uh, put together what they believe are the projections for the top three free agents. They go right to the franchise tag with Josh Allen. And, you know, I'm, I've thought all along that this is, there's a real good chance that this is going to happen. Okay. I, I think you have to remember that when you're looking at Trent Bulky, he's going to make some moves here that I believe he wouldn't necessarily have made if his job wasn't on the line. And I say this kind of in a way where is it really on the line? Because there's also a small part of me that believes the Jaguars could go 3-14 and 14 and Shad Khan's not going to fire Trent Bulky. Shad Khan is convinced. All Trent Bulky has to do, I can't get anyone to voice support for Trent Bulky. Okay, I talked about the one idiot who said that we're too scared to say anything. He's one in a hundred. He may be one in a thousand. I can't get one person 
whenever I ask, to say anything good at all about Trent Baalke and how he's built this team. And I've asked many times. You would think that just one would do it. That, that's not the case. But, but my opinion is that this year, Trent Baalke's going to take some chances to help his job, right? I mean, solidify his job. If he makes the right decisions this year, then he keeps his job for another year. He may be, and this organization could be in cap hell in 2025, 2027. I don't think he's going to worry about that necessarily. It becomes winning this year, if that makes any sense. And, you know, he did it a few years ago with all those free agency contracts, and then the end result is, obviously, this past year, you really couldn't add. I mean, what were his biggest additions? Probably the trade for Calvin Ridley. Probably the trade for Ezra Cleveland. Right? He let Arden Key go. He let Jawan Taylor go. He made a nice first-round draft pick in Anton Harrison. He went out and, and, and got Brandon McManus, except for that little spell. Ended up being a much more durable kicker than the revolving door uh, around here. But, you know, outside of that, it was a really slow year. He's going to have money. Right now, Jacksonville has $11.5 million under the cap. They're going to let go of some of these players. And they're also going to restructure some contracts. So they're going to have plenty of cash. But they say, pro football focus, Josh Allen, give him the one-year franchise tax. You're going to pay him $22,790,000. You know, what's it going to cost to get a long-term deal done with him? Is it four years, $100 million? Is it four years, $110 million? How much of that is guaranteed? What are you going to end up doing? We'll see. Here's where it really gets interesting. Calvin Ridley. I'm mixed on Ridley. I think if you can get him for a decent number, I'd like to bring him back. I, I You know, this, the side of me that says he was out of football for a year and a half, um, it took a little bit of time. You know, did he – I don't want to say he ran into a rookie wall because he, he seemed to play well the last couple of weeks of the year. But it felt like at one point – he wasn't there emotionally, mentally. He kind of disappeared. He wasn't targeted. Therefore, he wasn't catching balls. There was miscommunication, running the wrong routes. He had a real bad year uh, as far as yards after catch. Reportedly, they're not, we're not big on him as far as his overall weight. He got a little bit too thin. Uh, there was inconsistency with the hands. There's no doubt that he didn't bring the big play ability that I forecasted and so many others out there did forecast. So it's kind of a 50-50 scenario. I I think regardless, I want to see Jackson will get a big body wide receiver. Trevor Lawrence needs a big wide receiver. 6'3", 6'4", guy. They don't have that right now, uh, you know, on their roster. Now, Ridley, pro football focus, says... Two years, $32.5 million, $21.5 is guaranteed. That's 16 mil and some change a year. That's not a bad price. It is. I, if he starts getting up into the $17.5, $18 million, more guaranteed money, 
then I'm going to turn my nose up on this. But but I, I, I think you have to look at the wide receivers. Mike Evans is not going to get at the age of, uh, you know, post 30. He's what, 30, 31 now. He's not going to get franchised in Tampa. Higgins very well may in Cincinnati. Um, Indianapolis as well. I forgot. Who's up in Indy? Is it, uh, is it Pittman? Who's uh who's available? That's the higher regarded free agent free agency wide receiver. Uh, that that um, yeah, he's free agent. Yeah, they keep saying he may get franchised. So, you know what I'm trying to say here is that there's not a large market for wide receivers this year. There's really not. Now I think there'll be some cuts with some contracts. You know in like OBJ's available, but I just don't think that there's a long list. And so I do think that the market for Calvin Ridley is um, is going to be there. And remember with Juwan Taylor, we don't know if Jacksonville offered Juwan Taylor. We don't know what the going rate was. But when Kansas City said, we'll give you $20 million a year, they outpriced Jacksonville. Maybe Jacksonville had an offer on there for $16.5, 17000000 million for Juwan Taylor. I'm just thinking out loud because I'm using that analogy here with Calvin Ridley. I, if you were to say to me $16.5, $21.5 guaranteed, according to Pro Football Focus, is what you get Calvin Ridley for for the next two years, I'm thinking, okay, let's do it. But what if there's a team out there that says, we'll give you $18, million, and instead of $21.5 million guaranteed, we'll give you $24, million. Well, you're going to go where the money goes. So will he outprice this football team? I, I think that that's a, a real possibility here when looking at Calvin Ridley. And as I've said a million times, you can't put a franchise tag on Calvin Ridley. He needs to practice. Here's where it gets interesting. There's a lot of love here with Ezra Cleveland. Hacker the other night had, um, I think it was Mike Gilletti on from uh, Spot Rack. Yep. And... It was like close to $15 million a year for Ezra Cleveland. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Again, did any one of you out there see anything that had you believing, yeah, bring back Ezra Cleveland at left guard, give him $15 million a year? I'm like, no way. No way. Now, I understand he came, learned the new system, even though he worked under Phil Rauscher before. Uh, as an assistant offensive line coach out in Minnesota, and he wasn't 100%. Got to take all that into consideration. PFF, Pro Football Focus, says give him three years, $28.5 million, 17.25 guaranteed. That's an average of 9.5 a year. I don't love it, okay? I'm not married to it, but... If you can convince the fans that when healthy, he's that much better. A full offseason and training camp under his belt. How many times did we hear the C words from Doug Peterson? Continuity, chemistry, right? Camaraderie. It comes into play so much on that offensive line. That left side of the offensive line was beaten up this year. Luke Fortner at center did not play well. Brandon Sheriff at right guard is aging. If you can get it and they believe it at nine and a half mil, okay. 
you can take me with you there at nine and a half million. I like that a lot better than than restructuring the Brandon Sheriff deal and have some crazy salary cap number, dead cap money as well come up in 25 or 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 2026 for another, you know, 25, 28, 29 million. I, I like I like this scenario better. You know? I mean, you can make a case right now that when it's all said and done, Jacksonville, I mean, honestly, Jacksonville could have back Cam, Cleveland, Fortner, open right guard, and Anton Harrison. You could also have Anton Harrison at left tackle, Ezra Cleveland at left guard, Fortner at center, possibly bring back Sheriff at right guard, and your right tackle position goes to Walker Little. There's a lot of moving parts here. I was asked this the other night. I was, if you were to guess right now, how many offensive linemen do you think are are starting that are back with this team? My obvious answer is one. Anton Harrison, and I don't know what guard. I don't know what tackle position. That's my answer. But realistically, I'm like, no, it doesn't happen that way, Baloo. They burnt the third rounder on Fortner. They're gonna try to get him stronger. He's going to be your center. They're going to have one of those three guys at left tackle. Little's in the final year of his deal. You're not going to trade him. Although, you know, very interesting report that was in the it was on it was on Bleacher Report that had Jacksonville around the draft trading Walker Little to the Raiders. It was just someone's thought, but you know, I found it. Um, you know, at least a little bit intriguing. So a lot to consider there. Anything, uh, obviously, Allen's in. Any Anything stick out with you on those numbers with either Cleveland or uh, I Ridley that you liked or did like? Cleveland back for 12 bucks. I just, <laughs> that, uh, I'm worried about Trevor, that the interior, mm. it was terrible. I, I uh, love daydreaming about watching this Oregon kid, you know, play for the Jags. Uh, the hyphenated name kid that I can't think of that we were just talking about with Ed Home, but yeah, after taking a third rounder on Fortner, unfortunately, I think he will be back in the starting center next year. No, yeah. I hope I'm wrong about that. Right. Jackson, no, yeah. love to see it. Right now, he's my guy, and we talked about him earlier tonight with our guest Eric Ed Home. Yeah, right now he's my guy out of Auburn. Jackson Powers Oregon. Johnson. What did I say? Auburn. Yeah, he is out of uh, Oregon. Jackson Powers Johnson. The uh, the man out of Auburn is Jeremy Garrett, the new defensive line coach, according to some reports that are out there. All right, we got much more to do. 641-1010. Always great to have you with us when you comment on our text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, All-Star Weekend in the NHL. Don't talk a lot of puck around here. For those of you wondering, Boston up by uh, five points in the Atlantic. The Metropolitan is led by the New York Rangers by a couple of points over Carolina. Out west in the central part of uh, the United States of America. It's Colorado by a point over Dallas and Winnipeg. Vancouver out in the Pacific uh, up by seven points right now over Vegas, who, of course, won the Stanley Cup a year ago. 
Nathan McKinnon have an unbelievable year. He already has 84 points for Colorado. 84 points in 49 games. Uh, Nikita Kucherov down the road in Tampa, 85 points. 32 goals so far. Connor McDavid, who had, what, 64 goals a year ago in Edmonton, only 20 so far this year, but also has 47 assists. These are really the three in the MVP race. And then I look at Austin Matthews, who's on pace to score 70 goals uh, for Toronto, but they're kind of hovering around fourth or fifth place in the Atlantic. You know, I think MVPs, unless you put up just sensational numbers, you've got to be part of a team that is considered really good and, and, and makes its way through the playoffs. Like every other league in the regular season, it'll be announced based on what you do during the 82 games. David Pasternak having a great year as well with the Bruins, 72 points in 49 games. But I think it's going to be a really good second half. and. You know, we saw what happened a year ago when Boston had record-setting numbers, you know, best numbers in the history of the NHL and got bounced out by the Jessica Blaylock Florida Panthers. And the fact that they were able to travel from Miami to Boston and win game three, five, and seven on Boston ice is what the National Hockey League is all about. It's just it's just out of this world. And I know we saw it in baseball. Certainly the, um, what was it? The uh, the Houston, Texas. Uh, not Houston, Texas, but the Astros Rangers. It, I mean, didn't a road team win each and every one of those seven games in baseball this year? I believe that was yeah. the case. Let's see. Uh, they definitely. I want to say all seven. seven. Yeah, I, I believe it was all seven. No, the Rangers. Oh, yeah, the Rangers at the very end. Oh, no, game one. Uh, oh, yeah, we're thinking of the ALCS. Sorry, right. I'm looking at the World Series. ALCS. It was seven for seven. Crazy. Uh, real quick for you as well, something to consider. Okay. Uh, LV111, LVIII, LV. Oh, you don't know, Blue? You don't know? Super Bowl 58. All right, San Francisco getting a little bit of money. They're favored by two. The total's 47.5. Money line, San Francisco minus 130 to the dollar. Kansas, Kansas City plus 110. Uh, found these numbers today. They're really intriguing, and I, I, I think they're a, um, a really good trend. The only thing you have to consider is two weeks off, a ton of distractions, and neutral field but San Francisco was 14 and five this year if you include the postseason they were only nine and ten against the spread all right regular season they were nine and eight so far this year San Francisco is zero and two against the spread during the playoffs as a favorite they were nine and ten they were not an underdog once this year and they're not going to be an underdog in Super Bowl 58. Unless millions and millions and millions and millions and millions come in here on Kansas City. Over and unders, 11 overs for San Francisco, eight unders for San Francisco. Um, What this is telling me right here is not a whole heck of a lot. 
there's not something that that really sticks out. I mean, you're talking about nine and ten against the spread, um, including postseason. Nine and eight during the regular season. Zero and two during the postseason. Again, eleven overs, eight unders. Kansas City, it's a little bit more. You know, you can get a little bit more out of it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Fourteen and six, their regular record, but 12, 12 and seven with a push, including the postseason. Regular season against the spread, nine seven, and the push. Postseason against the spread, Kansas City, three and zero. Mm. And not even really close. So. As I just said a moment ago, you really can't learn a lot in San Francisco. Can you learn San Francisco 0-2 and two against the spread in the postseason? Even though they've won the games, they haven't covered. Kansas City... Three and zero, and and if I remember correctly, also two and zero oh as an underdog. Yeah, they lost. Uh, they were an underdog at Buffalo and underdog at Baltimore. Correct. Does that tell you anything? Record against the spread, Kansas City nine seven and one. Record against the spread as an underdog, and this includes the playoffs three and zero. They were only an underdog once during the regular season, and they won. All right, over and unders. Here's where. You may want to uh, really consider this one as well. Totals this year. Total and over-under, I know you people out there know it. It's the same thing. Kansas City, six overs, 14 unders. All right. We got a whole week to think about this. But based on what you just heard, JJ, if I threw down the magical 10K and said, you have to make a bet, are you taking San Francisco minus two, Kansas City plus two, or the over under 47 and a half? Based on what you just said, I'd probably go the under. Me too. Yeah. Um, but like with no context of the teams, you know, if it was just like team A and B and you just mm-hmm. showed me those stats, that's what I would bet. But I got to go with just Mahomes to win straight up. Take the plus two. Yeah, I would just take a money line at this point. All right, then you get plus 110. Such a tiny little money line. It, They really do screw you, I mean, you're, man. Better off playing, you're better off playing plus two. Yeah. I mean, at least give you something. But plus 115, you know plus what, Vegas, 120, they screw you. Vegas is like, we're not going to give you anything. <laughs> they used to, though. Like, that was the problem. If you used to be like a three-point dog in the NFL, you could get like plus 140. Yeah, that's non-existent anymore. I know a lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about, but basically you used to be able to win a lot more money with the money. With I could bet $100 and win like $140 mm-hmm. by picking a, a, an underdog that was like a three- or four-point dog. Now they make it so where it's not even really worth it that much. You know, they get the extra week to get healthy, but I – the whole injury report situation, and we won't have an idea with that until, you know, obviously Wednesday. But if you look at Kansas City, right, they, they've they had some some really big injuries. Um, uh, and they lost uh, – how come I can't think of his name right now off the defensive line? Uh, Derek Nottie, okay, Florida State kid. He's not going to play. He Bicep situation, he's out. They have been without Willie Gay, 
uh, who went down and went out. They were also beaten up as well uh, in their secondary a little bit. So this is going to be really intriguing to look at this with Kansas City because this is such a different Kansas City football team where when you think the Chiefs, you think Pat Mahomes and you think an explosive offense. Again, they're 14-6 and this year in unders, okay? 14 unders, 6 overs. This is the best defense that Andy Reid has ever had. A lot of people believe that if Kansas City wins this game, they're going to go out and win it the way the Patriots did in their final year with Tom Brady, the way the Broncos did when uh, Peyton Manning announced that it was a career, that it's going to be a, you know, a 21-17 game where the under comes in if, in fact, the Chiefs win it. So, hey, we'll have all next week to talk about that. We'll bring our, back our cast of characters as well our handicappers, uh, to take a look at everything uh, that is going on from a uh, gambling perspective as well. All right, much more to do. Take you up until 8. Hacker Nation standing by. He takes over as well. Uh, Final thoughts on the other side. I'm Rick Ballew alongside J.J. LaSalva. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Jeremy Garrett. Uh, some reports say 24-7 Sports that he has been added to the Jaguar staff as a defensive line coach. Uh, we also know for a second consecutive year, Jacksonville has lost their passing game coordinator. This time it's Nick Holes on his way to Tennessee. A year ago it was Jim Bob Cooter who left and went to uh, Indianapolis to be the offensive coordinator there. So, you know, the assumption is that it's going to be Frank Reich, that this is going to be an opportunity for him uh, to get back in. It was really an, an Urban Meyer type of year uh, for Frank Reich in, uh, in Carolina. It just felt like he was never really on board uh, with the Bryce Young pick. And, you know, there's a lot of football left in these careers, but, it, you know, it appeared that after what you saw with Stroud in Houston – that it was just a awful decision. But, you know, Frank Reich has that relationship. It goes way back uh, with Doug Peterson. Their years spent together in Philadelphia, which also did produce a Super Bowl. I think that's a real chance. I, I think that uh, Mike McCoy, who's been on the staff now for two years as the quarterback coach, I think is a chance that, that he could move up the passing game coordinator. All right? You have... Um, McCoy is your only former head coach on Doug Peterson's staff. I think that's important. Andrew Briner's a guy that didn't get a lot of attention. He's the assistant quarterback coach. So I just wonder, could you go, if you don't elect to go Frank Wright, could you move McCoy to passing game coordinator, move Andrew Brainer to the quarterback coach, and maybe bring in an assistant quarterback's coach? I I, I don't know, but I, I think that that is a, a real possibility of the direction uh, that the Jaguars could end up. It's, it's going to be interesting. They, they are absolutely taking their time, you know, both offensively and defensively, trying to figure out and uh, solidify their staff. Really in no hurry. You just need to identify and, and, and get your guy. Scotty Scheffler today with a 64 out of Pebble. Not sure if he actually played Pebble today or if he was at Spyglass or, uh, 
you know, the, the three course, uh, three courses that he do play, um, uh, let's see, a 64 today, so he's 11 under. Ludwig A. Aberg, I believe is his name. Ludwig Aberg. Aberg. Is it Aberg? 11 under. Uh, Tom Dietrich, 11 under. Patrick Cantlay, minus 10. So you already have three golfers in, you know, double digit or better, double digits or better after just 36 holes. It's a pretty good leaderboard. Justin Thomas, minus nine. Keegan Bradley at eight under. Bo Hosler. Uh, Bo Hosler, excuse me. Uh, Tom Hoagie. At minus seven, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick at minus seven, Sam Burns, Colin Morikawa at minus seven, Siwoo Kim at minus seven. Some minus sixes include Ricky Fowler, JT Poston. Uh, some minus fives, Adam Scott, Luke List, Matt Kuchar at five under, Justin Rose at minus five. I saw that Rory was really struggling. Earlier today, let me give you that before we bring in Hacker. Let's see: Tommy Fleetwood at minus three, Jordan Spieth at minus three, Webb Simpson at minus three, and a couple of other notables: Xander Shoffley plus one, Rory McIlroy seventy-four today after a seventy-one yesterday. So he is two strokes over today, one stroke over through thirty-six holes. He goes into. Saturday, tied for 64th place. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker, Friday nights. what's going on? Yeah, I got uh, operatives down in Orlando. You know, we're going to talk about Josh Allen's comments at the Pro Bowl, but... I just got off the phone with a couple of buddies that were at Disney Springs about two hours ago, and apparently the National Football Conference uh, Pro Bowlers are there uh, having a festive time right now, so unwinding a little bit at Disney Springs. So, so imagine you go out to Disney Springs with your family for a nice dinner, and there's Jason Kelsey and the fellas uh, getting after it at Raglan Road Irish Pub. That'd they, probably be uh, quite the scene. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so that's going on. Would you just actually? I'll let you say it for your show, but um, I wasn't crystal clear on exactly what Josh Allen was saying because it was so much background noise. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I took it, and the way obviously Jamal Saint Sarah of Channel Four was the guy that was talking to him down there. Essentially, Josh Allen says we need to talk, referring to the Jaguars, which. Makes sense, seeing as how Trent Baalke last week said negotiations had not begun. Look, Josh Allen's going to be a Jaguar next year. Baalke made that crystal clear. But why Why do this nonsense? Why, mm-hmm. why make him upset? Now, and I'm going to bring this up a little bit, just a little teaser here. I mean, let's be real. Josh Allen had the best year by far of his career in 2023. I mean, the guy had 14 sacks combined the previous two years. He had 17 and a half this year. That is probably something the Jaguars have to consider before writing this guy a 25, 26, 27 million dollar per year contract. It, it absolutely is something because there's no uh, there's no hometown discounts. There, there's no wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It, it's it's simple. You franchise tag him for 22.8 million and say, show it to me again or you pay him what the market says he's worth. And I know you had a couple of cap guys on last week. It was right around $25 million a year. Yeah, I had a couple of guys tell me right in the four-year $100 million ballpark is where they see Josh Allen, which obviously is $25 million a year. Would you pay Josh Allen $25 million per? 
I don't, I, depending on what other moves they're going to make, I, they can afford it because they're going to restructure some of these deals and they're going to let some of these guys go. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in between giving him the money now or making him prove it for one year, one more year. So I'm not going out on a limb because that's basically what Trent Bulky told us. I just assume get him signed up, get him in here, have him be a leader during the offseason. The guy earned the cash. You drafted him yourself. Jackson was done just an awful job. So many things can happen negatively with a franchise tag. I mean, look at what happened with Ramsey, and look what happened with Unique. What if he goes sideways on this? What mm-hmm. if it really affects him mentally, and he's like, you got to be kidding me, and he's not taking part of any of this, and you hear trade. What if all of a sudden you hear trade me? You don't need that with this football team right now. I see both sides of it. If you're a Jaguar front office guy, Trent Baalke, whomever, 17 and a half sacks is great. I mean, he had seven in 2023. I think you got to consider that. But the Josh Allen side of this is he earned his money. Like you said, contract year, he went out, was second in the NFL in sacks. So I just hope it doesn't get sticky. I hope there are no issues and keep in mind, it's a domino effect. Whatever happens with Josh Allen prior to March 11th will absolutely affect what happens with Calvin Ridley. All right. What else is coming up tonight? Obviously, a lot of Jaguar talk. John Shipley, Jaguar Report, will join us tonight. And then we'll take a brief look ahead to the Super Bowl. We are, what, nine days away. Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City to give us the Chiefs side of things. Jose Sanchez, all49ers.com to give us the San Francisco Side of things, nine days out from the big game. No doubt about it. All right, man, have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. All right, guys and uh, and gals out there, have a great weekend. Be back Monday at 6 o'clock. Should be an outstanding weekend. Be safe out there. Thank you to Eric Old, uh, Eric Edholm, NFL draft analyst and lead draft writer for NFL.com uh, for joining us tonight. I don't check the text line now. If the show is over, you can get me anytime on Twitter. That is at uh, Baloo1010XL4. JJ LaSelva. My name is Rick Baloo. I'll talk with you Monday at 6 o'clock.